as like a community and as people to lift each other up and that you're not alone and you're like issues. And I mean, that was like a, a collaboration of like 10 artists or something. It was really big. And I mean, it turned out amazing. Right. No, I think it's great when musicians in the, I think it was the late nineties, early two thousands. It was a big deal for like, I guess the new metal scene that was kind of, everybody was jumping on everybody's songs, you know, Max Cavalera. Corey has always been really big on that. I think that's been solid. Um, I'm like, go figure Fred Durst. I don't want to throw that too much out there, but like, it, it was fun though. It was a community, you know, it was, those guys were jumping on, having a good time. And it, it was, it was fun to see, you know, guys pushing each other to better limits for your, for your artistic abilities. So I really enjoyed seeing all that. So. Yeah. I mean, I find it really like interesting how like different artists or singers or just people like when they come together to make music it's like you see like both of their crafts kind of in a sense coming together and it just in so many aspects it just you see like one aspect and you see like this person's craft but then you see like the collaboration guy like you see his his or hers magical twist with it and it just typically a lot of times it turns out very good right and i dig it for this fact that um it kind of makes you makes you think out of the box. It makes you get out of your little area where you start doing the same phrasing or same tuning or just same melodies. And it's nice to be like, all right, I'm going to give you the same song I had an idea to. What do you got with this? And it's great to see these other ideas come together. And again, it makes you step your game up. Like, wow, I didn't even think about that. That's a great idea. Let me try to implement that into my game a little bit more. Um, it's just nice putting great musicians around you and trying to push you, again, trying to push you forward and get better at what you're doing. I mean, definitely. I mean, like, do you plan to like make um, a bunch of music with a bunch of different artists? Is that like your goal, or like, what is what do you want to make out of this band? Just have fun with it, you know. Just do what I want to do with it. Um, if I want to do collaborations with people, cool. If I just want to do my own thing, great. I've been doing that for years, so I'm I'm down with either or. Um, it just all depends again with the working with people, and it's fun if it doesn't become fun with certain people it just doesn't work out on to the next thing so it just all depends you know project to project song to song um if it fits it it does cool if not whatever so i just want to with, with with music i just realized early on that it's hard to make a career out of this and you got to have a day job one way or another even touring and all that kind of stuff it's not easy to be a musician anymore especially in the metal hardcore industry there's it's not much going for you. You do have a day job to come back to. And a lot of us have families and kids and all that kind of stuff. And um, but what I'm getting, at is just doing it because I want to do it. I'm writing the way I want to write. There's nobody telling me otherwise, and it's that's fun. That's that's what art's all about. You know, from painting to anything else, like just do your thing. It might be mistakes here and there, but sometimes those mistakes are the ones that you're like, wow, that was didn't mean to do that, but that was ended up great. So. It's all about just doing what you want to do and be happy with it. Definitely. I mean, I've over the years, I mean, I'm a senior in high school this year, but uh, ever since like freshman year, I've had this obsession with music composition and I've been really exploring with it anywhere from making like electronic EDM music or trying to make acoustic stuff with like the cello or some little small things like a guitar with a friend or two. Mm-hmm. And I, I find it fascinating so, I mean, like, as a music person, I'm curious, what is your uh, process with your writing and creation of music? I guess my process starts with either, it's usually with the guitar. I'll grab a guitar and just start fiddling around on it, just seeing, you know, 
see if I'm feeling anything for the day, if anything pops up. A lot of time, again, it's just by mistake. Like, okay, I, I had a riff in my head and then what gets on paper or on the laptop is totally different than what I came up in the, in the first place. And that's the beauty of a lot of these things where it's not recorded and you're not doing analog and tape and stuff like it was where it started off with me back in the day. And a lot of people, all the digital stuff, you can throw down little sections and start clipping things out and start structuring stuff out pretty fast. And that's how I usually do it. Um, just from the guitar, get that all structured out and then start throwing bass tracks down. And um, vocals kind of go at the end. Once I get kind of some drums locked into it, kind of see the melodies and kind of what groove you're going with. Cause, and then kind of just build it off from there, listen to it and dissect it. And sometimes it's great right off the bat. Other times it's going to take a, a couple months just to figure it out. But that's kind of my, my, my ideal, my ideals to it, my music theory structure. It's, I don't try to get too progressive on stuff. I like, I like melodies. I like choruses. I like hooks doesn't matter if it's brutal it doesn't matter if it's delicate i just that's what makes me want to listen to music is those hooks coming back to it it doesn't have to be repeating just something like just hits you you know so i guess yeah that's that's my thing with it it's not so much progressive i do dig some progressive stuff but for the most part i I just like the meat and potatoes of songs i mean it's been working for 60 80 years now for everybody from blues to rock and roll to everything else you know to current day pop it's working so definitely i mean like in my opinion when like you're looking at music or you're listening to it anyway i feel like usually i feel like the first minute to minute and a half is what really like grips me to like listen to the full song Mm -hmm. and i mean if i notice it's like oh it's repeating 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 i'm more like this song sounds repetitive in my head i'm gonna get sick of the beat faster and i don't want to listen to this anymore where If you have like an intro or something that's uniquely different to the rest of the song, I feel like if you can just hook the person, I feel like they just like go with the flow type of thing. Right. I think it's usually, I mean, if you look at it like, like it's about 30 seconds, I think for the hook for the most part, if you want to get technical with it, it's usually if if, if it's not kicking within 30 seconds, it's a tough one. And and with metal songs too, a lot of times, yeah, it, it takes, there's depending on the intro. And again, it's all what your theory is, you know, even old Metallica, it took like two minutes sometimes to actually get into vocals. Um, but it all just all depends on what you're looking for on it. Um, for me, I like, I'll probably know about 30, 30 seconds or 45 seconds. Like, okay, is this for me or not? Or am I going to, it's like on to the next, I guess my instant gratification. Now my brain's a little with, with technology and everything now too, where you're not going through albums A to B you're just skipping through and that's kind of the, the society now too, where it's like we need instant gratification to actually get hooked onto that song or you're going to keep moving, find the next thing. Right. And I mean, I find it kind of like weird how sometimes people judge songs sometimes by just like only listening to barely any of it. I mean, I feel like some people just like don't either like hook or onto the music or understand it because it's like, you see all these people that talk about like music and I feel like sometimes they don't understand or take the time to process. Like maybe this is a very valid like intro or song, but like maybe all they listen to is the intro and then they bash the whole song or something. Right. Yeah. It all depends. It all depends on what mood set you're in. Um, all depends. Yeah. If you're aggressive, if you're not feeling it for the day, like I've been really digging sleep token lately and that's a whole, his, He's back and forth on a bunch of stuff. He's going from ballads to 
singing like covers of I want to dance with somebody and then just going to brutal. Like it's just such a mixed match and he's doing what he's wanting to do, but it's totally different mode moods. And it's like some days, yeah, I'm like, dude, I'm digging this right now. Other days, it's like, no, it's just a little too soft for me. So I guess it just depends the day and what your mental, mental state is at to be listening to everything. And I guess, and that's the beauty of music too. You can swap back and forth. Like I'm not feeling this today. I'm going to listen to Southern trend right now. That sounds a little more in my, my wheelhouse. So, yeah, I mean, like, that's one thing I think I like about the beauty of the craft of music is how, like, oh, I can be really, you know, happy and pumped and I can just, like, find the song to fit my mood. Or if I'm really depressed or something's really hitting me different, where I'm, like, not in the mood for heavy stuff and I'm just depressed, then it's, like, I feel like a lot of, a good amount of artists these days, I feel like they have that song that can fit that mood. And I mean, Sleep Token, honestly, is definitely a band that is just the music. I don't even know. Like some days it's like they have, there's something for me. And other days it's like this really speaks to me in a religious mm-hmm. way, I feel like. Right. I mean, there's been a couple songs like that. Yeah, no, I've, I've been really getting into those guys lately. Those guys in uh, Spirit Box. I slept on those guys for a little bit and I'm kind of angry with myself. She's got an amazing voice, just the range, the whole band, bass players just throwing riffs all back and forth. So those are my two big, the bands I've been listening to lately. Those are definitely my influences in the, in the new age of music right now, for sure. I think for me lately, I think I've been hopping back and forth between, cause like, I don't know. I'm like, in a way I want to like expand my range again because, but I mean, I already have a very wide range of music interest, but I feel like I've been listening to a lot of Slipknot lately, mainly because I've been trying to hype myself for their new album that comes out this month. Right. And um, Iowa still stands up. Joey was a machine. Everybody was on that machine. Uh, that album was a machine. It was everything on it. Just the tones, just the blast beats, everything going through it. That, that, that album was amazing for me for, for Slip. That's, that's my top for Slipknot for sure. I really don't think I have a favorite Slipknot album. I mean, people have like kind of shit on me because I don't put Iowa always at my top. I always say it's around the middle, but even at the same time, I feel like um, I feel like jo- I feel like a lot of the material Joey was in. I feel like that's the stuff that speaks with me the most because mm-hmm. I'm a very like I'll enjoy a song if the instrumentals kind of like sink in with me. Mm-hmm. The vocals can only go so far to me. I feel like the the instrumentals is just what hooks me to songs. To be honest, that's just right. Me. And I think ever since Joey hasn't been in the music, I just something about it. Just like I don't feel like I feel like Slipknot doesn't click as hard for me on the songs he's not on anymore. Yeah, and I mean they're still an amazing band. Everything I hear from them, Weinberg is an amazing. I think he just had got drummer of the year, um, and that guy's just a beast. His dad was a beast too. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's different. It's different um, personalities when you take that piece out of the puzzle. Same thing with Paul Dine. Um, a few years back like it just it changes the whole writing process and things you maybe didn't know about as a fan and think how joey seemed like a very good implemental um piece to writing for those guys for sure so um yeah it changes and it's a whole nother the way he plays drums compared to weinberg is totally different it's close it's it's still it's fast paced but joey was doing stuff that i i think a lot of us took for granted when it was happening for sure um, but Iowa's solid. Uh, the self t- self-titled was one of those things I heard in high school. I'm like, I don't know what the hell this shit is, and I love it. It's great. Subliminal was subliminal was more of a changing of the guard. It seemed like for those guys, the change the the writing changed for Corey quite a bit. And I think it was, I think I read right afterwards he was jumping into rehab. He was definitely going through some shit at the time. 
So it was just a different feel, different, very dark, very moody. Um, but yeah, the last, this last album I, I was into, um, I'm looking forward to seeing, I think it was, um, what was it? Yen was the new single they just, one of the new singles they just put out. Yeah. I really yeah. like that one a lot too. That had a lot of different dimensions to it. Um, Corey was definitely at the top of his game on that one for sure. I was, I was digging what they were doing. I mean, honestly, out of the three singles I've heard, so like we that we've heard so far from their new record, I feel like a lot of those, like those three songs. I mean, it really shows the variety, kind of how slip, slip, have all Slipknot's albums have been, mm-hmm. and like Yen kind of displays the more technical side of them and shows just like the more like, I guess you could say. You guys, I, I don't know how to describe it, but some of their music has a very electric feeling sometimes, and then it's mm-hmm. like all of a sudden, like the beat really just gets into it, and then it's just like, holy shit, man! It's like you have right. this like really soft, quiet intro, but all of a sudden it's just like it punches you in the face, and you're just like, holy crap, where'd that come from? Right. And you no, just that's a, it. Right, exactly, and that's just dynamics in the songs too, and that's just that's an art to do that to build those things up and just to hit those dy- dynamic hits and and, and hook you. That's it's not easy to do, but those guys do it. They've been doing it for decades now, for sure. So much appreciation for those guys. Are one of my biggest, another one of my biggest influences too. It's a lot of. If you grew up in the '90s, yeah, Slipknot was in your life for sure. Even if they were sitting at Hot Topic and you could say whatever you wanted to about those guys, they held. They continue to hold their own. That's still saw those dudes in Concord. What was it like five years ago? And they headlined over Lamb of God. Bullet for my Valentine and um, and what was it? It was Motionless and White, and that just shows you still. And they they it was insane. Their their live show is I don't know if anybody can touch their live show. I really don't, you know. And I don't know a lot of people have a, probably their their opinions on that, but they I've never been to a Slipknot show that I'm like, holy shit, what just happened? People are just getting thrown around. And it's great. That's the way it should be. That's the I sh- I miss those type of shows. Totally. I mean, like, I feel like Slipknot's one of those bands where it's like you go there and the and this. I feel like it's just their style about how like aggressive their music is, how it's like the crowd reacts, how the mm-hmm. music's being displayed. And I mean, I feel like it's okay for people for people to get thrown around at shows as long as they're being safe about it. But for the most part, everybody's pretty respectful. Um, everybody's there for the same same reasons. It's more, I guess, I don't know. Like, it's just it gets. I explain that it's just it's awkward for guys a lot of people a lot of metalheads are kind of in their own little world and social being social with people it's kind of weird but it's to get into that spot where you actually have people that have the same thing you're into it's a nice place to be it really is it's it's a place to go where like you guys are in the same things I am I'm not the I'm not the weirdo at Thanksgiving that's wearing like a you know Black Dahlia t-shirt at the at the dinner table and nobody's judging me about it. everybody's in the same boat doing the same thing so it's it's a it's a different community, but I've I've loved it. It's just a it's a great great way just to let energy out, and it's for me just artistic ability and just changing and being outside of the box and trying new things on thing on stuff. Definitely, I mean, I don't know, like so I mean Slipknot and a bunch of these big bands lately. I mean they've been headlining over these bands that we've all looked up for year look looked up to for years, and I mean you look at Five Finger Death Punch. I mean they just headlined. A couple shows with Metallica out in Europe, like not even a month or two ago, right? And I'm, I'm, I don't remember who opened for who, but I think if I'm correct, don't mark my words on this, but I think Metallica did open for them. Like I don't, th- I think, I think that's a good. I don't know. That's a good that's a, I don't, I'm not quite sure off the bat too, but it's a good possibility. You kind of it, it's 
give and take, you know, if you want to, Metallica has been, they're still one of the biggest bands, if the biggest metal band in the, in the world right now. They just, they just played, I think, um, in Napa, the bottle rock, not about a couple months ago too. And they just still have it. They're just guys don't let up. It doesn't matter what age they are. They're still, they're still out playing people on stage. Um, but yeah, I, I, you just take turns, you know, five finger death punch has done their thing for years and they've, they've shown that they can be a stadium band and keep doing their thing. And that's great. We need bands like that. We need bands to keep pushing it, to make it a, uh, opportunities for other bands trying to make it and see kind of some, some, a glimpse of hope that it can still happen for live shows and touring and things like that. Cause it's been pretty rough the last few years. Definitely. I, I mean, live shows. I mean, I feel like the live shows ever since we came out of COVID, I feel like they've been just punch to nail type of thing because it's like they're just they're making up for all that lost time and they're trying to give you that adrenaline that you've missed for the last couple of years mm -hmm. and i think the shows like i've been seeing bands are remodeling their sets and stuff and it's it's beautiful to see and just how cool and how improvising a lot if that makes sense how improvised all the shows are getting now because people are just they're trying to show everyone like hey we may have been gone for two years or so but we're back and we're going to show you we're better than ever. And it's, it's a really interesting thing to see. Right. No, for sure. Um, I just, I hope with that, we start seeing some newer bands start getting brought up on these tours. And I know everybody's kind of getting their footing again for these, the bigger bands where again, it's an opportunity to finally start making money again, because the last couple of years was not a good spot, but I want to see, it'd be great to see some, some smaller bands, coming up and give an opportunity to jump on some bills and try to do their thing and de develop, you know, some, like some of these other bands were given the opportunity to. So um, just the new wave of whatever the hell is going to come out. Is it the new, new metal scene? Who knows? You know, is there another thrash thing coming through? I know thrash is kind of a big deal still in, in the Bay area. That's, that's held its, its weight over here for decades. Um, who knows? I just want to see the new wave. What we what do we have to offer? What's the new thing that's going to be bouncing out? Right. I mean, what what's your favorite band to see live? Like, I know we're talking about live shows and stuff, but what's your favorite band you've ever seen live? Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm seeing Lamb of God so many times. Those guys always put on a hell of a show. Um, again, Slipknot. I'm going to go off the record. This is going to be a weird, weird throw, different genre. I, Garth Brooks is one of those guys I grew up with listening to, and I saw him in San Jose years back, and he put on a hell of a show. That was one of those, like, damn, that dude's a performer, 60 years old or 50, just running around doing his thing. Um, I don't know, Slayer, I saw those guys. That went hand in hand and seeing Lamb of God. I don't know. I, I guess my biggest one was seeing P Pantera at the end of their – well, I, I guess they're a partial of them is, is revving up again. Um, but I saw those guys in San Jose. I keep I guess San Jose and Sacramento and San, and San Francisco for us are kind of the spots. But um, I saw those guys in the reinventing the steel tour. I think that was the last tour they did. And that was, that was unworldly. That was one of those ones that, yeah, this, that was a violent show. It was a beautiful, beautifully violent show, <laughs> but it was, it was amazing. But it was, that was one of those, holy shit situations and that was a great time for sure yeah i think let's see uh, let me think i think my favorite live show i mean i've seen shine down and all kinds of bands like that i love the shows honestly like they're beautiful mm -hmm. um i've never actually really seen slipknot live because like they've never been really in st louis which is where i am 
Mm-hmm. They haven't really like gone by there in a long time. But um I'd s I don't know. Like I'd say one I've been to. I would definitely say um I'd say like Death Punch or something someone like that is probably on my top. Just because mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't say like it's the most like like I don't know how to say it, but like gnarly show in the world, but I feel like I choose them because of the quality of how they interact with the scenery and the crowd and how they respond to them. Right. And if it's that's something that really connects with you too, obviously it's going to be more to you also with their songs and everything else. That's something you're excited about. Um, There's a lot of great bands, man. Like even unearth unearth has been around for years and they're killing it still. I think that blue Ridge or something, I think is the festivals going on right now. And those guys are just no holds barred. I saw those guys in San Francisco when they were, I want to say it's starting, but it was about, probably about the early 2000s. Those guys were machines, too. Every time I die before they, they broke up, just animals on stage. So yeah, there's a lot of great bands out there. I just want to see, again, what's the next thing coming up. I'm, I guess I'm partial to the old, old days, the early 2000s, the mid-2000s. I was just kind of my, that's when I was in the scene in, in the Bay Area hardest when I was touring and everything else with, with, with other bands I was in. Um, so those are, those are the bands that are near and dear to my heart for sure. Unearth, shit, in flames, soil org. I mean, shit, it's been some, a lot of great bands around there. Machine head back in the day for sure. Yeah. I know you're talking about like how you've seen a bunch of bands and stuff. So, I mean, it kind of, it's kind of making me think, uh, have, who have you met like in the music scene, at least that have, like, I guess, I don't know that you've always wanted to meet. Like, have you met anyone like that or who's your yeah, person you've met? I've, I've, I've met a good amount of people. Um, I was fortunate in the beginning of my career to be in a touring band, um, being on some tours and playing some big shows with some, some people I, I wouldn't consider. I'm like a D lister, I guess back in the day. <laughs> I'm, I'm never has been, but it's been fun being around some really cool people from, you know, the Rob Flynn's of the world to, hanging out with Randy and, and Mark backstage with Lamb of God, Christian from Fear Factory. I don't want to name drop too much. I already sound like a douche. So, but I've been around some, it's, I've had some great times with just being around backstage and kind of floating in out of these dudes with, with these guys be backstage Ozfest and either being on working crews or playing smaller shows. It's, it's been cool. It's been definitely, I've been lack of a better term been blessed with what I've been able to do as a, as a D D list artist being playing these shows with these guys for sure. Awesome, dude. I mean, I mean, how long did you say you've been doing music again? So I started, I guess in high school, um, probably like 17, 18, I started playing bass and then I just didn't work out with the singer. So I started singing and then we, I had a smaller band and we started kind of playing locally. And then I was a band called killing a mind for a long time in, in the Sonoma County area. And we got to a point where, again, we were playing big national acts with like Power Man 5000. And it was the Petaluma Theater, the, the Phoenix Theater, not Petaluma Theater, Phoenix Theater in Petaluma has been this big, it was, it's this huge, it's the Mecca, it's the place to be. AFI made it, that was a big spot for them, Papa Roach. That was the place to be in the Bay Area to play in the North Bay. Um, and that didn't, band didn't work out and I actually ended up in a band called um, Better Left Unsaid, and that was in Modesto. And we were signed to Stillborn Records through uh, who, Jamie Jossa from Hatebreed. So that was, for, that was for a minute. But we toured pretty hard with that and played with some pretty big bands and went coast to coast a few times. And 
I got to the point where it's just, I wasn't happy with how things were working or being on the road. And it just, that kind of dissolved from there and then had a family and, and then it started making music again. So that's kind of where I'm at. So in your, and so, I mean, in your whole like career, as you were just telling me, do you have like a proudest achievement at all from that? South by Southwest was cool. We just played a small game. I think it was a place called Red Seven. That was really cool. Um, I sounded like shit, as I remember, but it was still like it was a cool show for sure. Just one of those things like, oh, shit, we're playing South by Southwest. This is killer. Um, The Phoenix played some big shows over there. Used to be huge shows back in the day. We we from other local bands. There's a band called Exposure and and good buddies of ours, a band called Hostility that kind of Andrew is um, playing drums for uh, Impending Doom now, and he's played for other other bands too. But we used to we used to tour a lot with those guys, and just huge packed shows and just local bands. We were having a great time doing it. So that was my that was the fun times. On the road was cool. You know, Texas always treated us well. Um, Oregon was fun. Washington, yeah, it was it was a good time. I don't know. It was a lot of just in general, just the, the, the experience. That was my college. I didn't go to college. I just was on the road for a couple of years, <laughs> just doing dumb right. shit. So it was, it was fun. But um, yeah, I get to a point too, where it's just hard just financially. It's hard to keep bouncing around at jobs, trying to with relationships or anything else. It's just, it's a, it's a tough gig. And if you're not in it all the way, then that's what I was kind of out. Like, I don't, I just don't know if I can keep sacrificing as much as I was doing. So but made that yeah, decision. Sorry. Sorry. No, you came back, got a job and got a good job and got a family and all those types of things. And so the way to do it is just, again, don't quit your day job. While these guys do, they come back from tour and work in construction or working at a parent's, parent's business, just making ends, ends meet. But shit to be that, that adrenaline to be on stage for thousands of people is something you can't explain to people. It's just, it's contagious. It's hard. It's hard to walk away from that kind of stuff when all, all cylinders are firing. It really is. Do you, I mean, in your opinion, do you think it's worth like having all that time away from your family to like go experience all those things? When you're younger, yeah. And later in life, no, not for me personally. It's it's really tough. It would have to be <sighs> no uh, money wouldn't wouldn't be valued enough to that. You you make that decision. You know, and it's, it's hard for those guys. I really sympathize for how those those heroes of ours, what they have to deal with to keep their families together and everybody happy at home. That's not easy. And to bring a check home when you're not seeing people for their birthdays and everything else. It's like being a professional athlete. It's like, hey, I might see you next Christmas. I mean, it's not it's not easy. It's not an easy gig, but they do it for us. They do it for them. You know, they, it's it's something they're passionate about. So, but that's, that would be, I can't do that. That's, that, it was too hard for me to make that decision. Not even like I was to the point to even like think I was going to be anything more than the D-lister on that too. But I, it, for me personally, I just decided that was, I, I couldn't keep pushing as hard as I was. Yeah. I mean, I get what you mean. Like how you being on that stage for so long, I guess, for like years and stuff, how it can, it could possibly like wear on you physically in a sense but also i mean you said it's fun and that there's the adrenaline that comes with it is oh there's amazing. no doubt i'm i miss that flat out there's no and physicality a lot of guys have had neck surgeries back surgeries um a lot of those generations taught us what not to do you know how how to make this you know from 
drug use and drinking on the road to everything else and just seeing what what's happened to to them but like yeah neck uh, there's not many metalheads now the older guys probably in their 40s or 50s that probably aren't having sciatic issues and whiplash problems on a daily basis but it's hard to walk away from it's hard to stop because that's something when you know when those those hits when everything's hitting like you, you're not going to sit there just hanging out giving people's thumbs up you want to move so it's it's hard just to stop that. I think Tom from Slayer actually dealt with that too. He was a madman. If you watch old films of him watching it and, and playing, he was fucking nuts. And then he had, at some point he just had to stop it. I think he had a surgery too, uh, back surgery, neck surgery. So, yeah, I think uh, so. I remember that uh, the dr old drummer of Five Finger Death Punch, Jeremy Spencer. I remember he uh, ended up stepping away from the band for um, he had to have back surgery. And mm -hmm. he had to have back surgery because I guess his drumming, or whatever, he was just going at it so much, so fast that I guess over all the years, it just eventually tore at him. And I mean, he said that he could keep going and keep performing, but he said that like he could risk further injury, I guess, if he continued going at the rate he was. Right. I think he didn't, he's, he's got his own little, I think he's got his own act going now, right? Where he's not playing drums. And he's a singer. I think it is. Yeah. He has two projects. It's uh semi rotted and psycho center. That's, that's it. Right. So. I mean, I cool. personally love both of his, his uh, single projects. You know, I, I personally love those. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, some of his music is questionable in the psycho center <laughs> world, but you know, it's Jeremy Spencer. I mean, I can't really complain about that. No, and he's doing his thing too. If he's happy doing it, just again, that's that's what's important. Some some people are going to click with it, you know, and other Five Finger Death Punch fans might not understand it. That's fine. It's it's his it's his ordeal. If he if he's happy with what he's doing, roll with it, man. Right. I mean, he's if he's vibing with it, then like, why does it matter that you know someone thinks his music is shit? I mean, he's even said that, like, you know, he's doing it for himself, doing it for his own sanity to keep his mind occupied at some point. Mm -hmm. And he had mentioned that like, he'd always wanted to be a front man and he had his opportunity and he took it. Right. And with me too, I mean, maybe earlier in my life where it's like, you, you hate on bands a little bit more and like, Oh, I hate these guys or they sold out and this and that it's, it's especially in this industry with metal, hardcore you, rock, you, you need to, even if you don't really like, I'm not a big ghost fan. Right. And I know that some people that's a 50, that's a, that's a very sensitive subject for some people, either it you're with them or against them. I have respect for what they've done for the industry and what they've done for shows and their marketing is insane. M musically, it's not my thing, but I have respect for what they're doing. You know, they, they, they're doing shit right for sure. Right. And I mean, so like, if I could does uh, Hello Hydra have a merch store? Uh, we do. Nice. It's it's actually through my. Um, I have a clothing line too. It's called uh, Shameless Promotion right here. It's called Bearcore. It's a uh, at Bearcore on Instagram. Um, we actually have a Hello Hydra merchandise shirt on there plus the Bearcore stuff. Um, so if you guys are interested in doing that, again at Bearcore, and uh, you can also reference the my Instagram page, the Hello Hydra page, to get all those links and everything. Awesome. I'll make sure to check that out and buy a shirt or something. Just like I'm like wear it to school or something. Be like this right on, dude. band, man. And no, I appreciate it. That, that'd be killer, dude, for sure. So uh, besides music, like, do you have any unique hobbies or interests? 
Uh, I grew up playing sports. Um, I like, you know, football, baseball, those type of things. You know, working on the house, old man shit at this point. Um, I guess that's it. Music's kind of the hobby for right now. Everything else is just working, you know, nine to five. And um, when I got time to play music, I jump out in the studio and do my thing. So. I mean, how long does it take to typically make a song for Hello Hydra? Half you an do hour. Majority of it. Right. I mean, it could be a half an hour to a few days, weeks. All depends on, on the riff and how you're feeling. Sometimes, again, it's just clicking. Sometimes, like, go back to the drawing board a few times until it works. Just clip and paste some things or just trash it all together and start again. So, I guess it all depends for sure. Definitely. I mean... For me and my like my friend um, Nat Miller, I had him on my podcast actually a while mm-hmm. back. But um, me and him have been trying to write like a like a acoustic project at least. Mm-hmm. And our process is like okay, you know, we hang out a little bit, have a little bit of fun, and then we go to like some open like outside like parking lot where there's nobody around, and then we just get our instruments out and just start fiddling around until we get something. Mm-hmm. And then eventually we'll find a gro- like a groove or something and then we'll expand on it and then eventually you know the instrumentals come synchronizing at that point it's right and that's and that's the old school way of doing it where you just get in a room and just work it out um now um kind of like the the jamming aspect to it i'm i'm more i use logic i'm i'm used i'm used to that because the pro tools back in the day was kind of the big thing and i'm into logic now just to get those ideas down and where you can get the, you know, beats per minute, the BPMs, and then just kind of section things out and, you know, play a riff and then go into the next transition into the next riff and kind of move some things around. And so you're also not, you're not forgetting those parts when you're, when you're rolling through. So my pro I've, I've been digging that process for quite a bit. Um, but again, it comes back to whatever you guys are, are comfortable with and what's why we're working for you. Um, I would recommend trying to get that on tape and just kind of, revisit that as much as you can so it's not the oh shit what were we just playing the other day let's let's try this again um definitely right. helps out listening over and over again trying to trying to figure out again it becomes repetition and kind of you get sick of the song sometimes but it's great to you start hearing things in your head you should for structure and okay this is time for chorus or hey let's go into a bridge for a little bit and just chill for this for a while and again it's all your your basic you know music theory what you're looking at what whatever applies to you Right, and I mean, it's a process, to be honest, because it's like, mm-hmm. me and him don't always have the time to be consistently producing and making it, so it's kind of like, our struggle right now is finding time to really sit down and work through it, because, you know, one day we'll be doing one thing, and then we'll be like, oh, let's write music tomorrow, and then we do, and then it's like, we have like two weeks where we can't even get our right. schedules to align to where we can have that peaceful time alone, to where we can like focus solely on that. Right. And that's where the remote recordings come in handy for a lot of those reasons where you can put that on tape and just email it to your dude or whatever and say, Hey, you know, check this out when you get a minute and kind of bounce back and forth on, on ideas like that. Um, So again, it's been very beneficial for me because I do come from that background of like, just get in a studio and just jam it out until you figure it out. And it's for me now, I don't know if I have the patience to just be like, Oh, cool. Let's just like try to figure this song out. It's like, no, let's just, let's roll. If we're going to be playing this live, let's actually lock this in before we even see each other. Cause time is of the essence. You don't have time to dick around for four hours. You have like an hour and a half, like, okay, let's work on this go. So it just changes in life, changes in, in um, at least for me, changing in like priorities. 
and time priorities. When you're younger, you, you can, doesn't matter what time you go home, right? I remember practicing until till two or three o'clock in the morning, but that, that shit's not happening now. That's not going down. I got shit to do. And you probably just don't have energy for it either anymore. I mean, uh, too, I guess that, like... Well, yeah, you just don't want to burn yourself into the ground. And it's like, how much do you want to put on your plate? Um, but it's something you don't want to stop because you enjoy doing it. So you just make time for it when you can. Right. I mean, like, music's always been one of my hobbies, definitely. And, I mean, I'm one of those people that's like, hey, if you have music you want opinions on, shoot it my way. I'll shoot you an honest opinion right back on what mm-hmm. I think you should change. I mean, obviously, they don't need to take my suggestions, but, like, usually it's like, okay, like, you know, maybe this segment could be a little faster tempo. This probably could be a little slower. Or maybe you mm-hmm. could add a few extra little things in between this, this, and this. It's Right. And, I mean, yeah. I, I enjoy. I mean, I enjoy using my free time with that, too, and it's very fun. Right. And just like picking up different instruments, you know, it's again, back to music theory, throw it. Like, I wish I jumped on playing piano earlier than I, I did just for, you know, note structures and just arpeggios and scales and all those type of things that you can implement on your guitar and your bass and everything's all very universal. It's just different ways of playing it. Um, and again, listening to just to different genres, you know, I grew up on shit, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones to like Motown to like zeppelin acdc to you know back into the 80s where you just the random the print stuff just the, the pop like what was it robert palmer my dad was big into <laughs> culture club <laughs> just random but it's it's great though it's i have and even country 90s country all that kind of stuff and so until me and pantera met and that just threw me sideways um pretty much changed everything so yeah, it all depends. And then from Pantera, it goes from, you know, Slayer, obviously, are you into Pantera and the Slayer? And then are you getting into new metal? Are you getting into the Soulfly dudes? Then does that go into Sepultura? Does that go even deeper into that, you know, into Thrash? Um, and then even going more sideways to that into like the Norwegian type stuff, like the Soil Orc and Flames. And then it's like, okay, well, those guys are sellouts. Check out. <laughs> They're not sellouts. I love those. But just the, the metal atmosphere of being a young 20-year-old kid, it's like, don't listen to those guys. Listen to At The Gates. Listen to Carcass. And it's just, there's so many avenues and so many different ways you can go uh, how all this stuff was developed, you know? And then all the way back to Black Sabbath, who really arguably kind of started the whole heavy metal scene. Um, just the, the tuning and the structure and all everything like that. Um, Geezer was just he's still a beast at base, all those guys. Um, but yeah, there's that tangent. There's just a lot of music to be heard for sure. And to, for me to close, you don't want to ever close those just because a certain genre is a certain way you need to take appreciation of what they do, you know, the, from the techno to house to all that kind of stuff, listening to synth, you know, that's probably a big, you know, influence from like Trent Reznor to nine inch nails and nine inch nails, just changed the whole game in the nineties with Marilyn Manson and everything else. It just, again, started one spot and just goes wildfire every other direction. So since we've been taught, we're talking about like classic, I guess bands, because you're talking about like how like your younger self, I guess, and the way mm-hmm. that you're perceiving the music back then. Um, you, what it was your favorite classic, I guess, rock band or classic band from back in the day. Zeppelin. Zeppelin album, first album for sure. Just gritty, 
voice was incredible, that falsetto, just the energy to it, their live show. I don't know if anybody could really touch it at that time. Um, for me, personally, those guys, Zeppelin was, and ACDC, you know, close behind too. Bon Scott, those guys were machines, different continent, just before their times for sure. Honestly, Led Zeppelin is on is honestly one of my favorite classics. I mean, I grew up, I kind of like grew up around like me being. I mean, obviously, I'm a younger person, but my mm -hmm. my friends and my family kind of raised me around like the ACDC, GNR, Guns N' Roses kind of like scene, yep. and then Metallica right. eventually like wiggled its way in there with Master of Puppets and Sandman and all those songs. Yeah, I mean, you got to give respect to Metallica. I think with Metallica, I listened to them so much all the time where i just i've had to take like a decade or two off on listening to you know for justice for all and stranger <laughs> strangers stranger things brought that back up into the mix and good for them um yeah master of puppets kill them all you know the black album regardless of anyone has to say that was, that album was that's just jealousy people talking that that album was re ridiculously good so um yeah metallica still i don't know if there's a lot of bands that can beat those guys live still Seriously, I mean, I've watched so many Metallica live recordings. And I mean, I seriously, I'm just like, look how like how engaging they are with everybody, and just how much they move around for how old they are. Also, well, I mean, just they move automatic. A lot. They're automatic. They're just they're. That's what they do. They're, there's not going to be another Metallica like that. I don't think there's bands like that anymore. I don't know if we have the the ability, especially metal, hard rock. I don't. It's going to be hard to see another band like that coming up. Even with the you know the five finger death punches, you could argue you know disturb when they're going doing their thing. It's just not the same. It's not the same. Universally, Metallica is loved. There's no any. You can talk to anybody in the street. Oh, are you listen to what do you listen to? Oh, metal. Oh, you mean Metallica? It just goes. It always goes back to Metallica. The only people that's how people re relate with metal. Really, that's that's their gateway drug is is Metallica. I mean, yeah, because I mean. I think Metallica has just been so culturally accepted in the sense of like the metal community. I mean, if anyone, if you ever ask anyone, as you said about metal, it's like Metallica, 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 and it's like well, they they still hold it. I mean, them Anthrax, what was it? Them Anthrax, Anthrax Slayer. What was the what was the fourth? Megadeth was in there, but arguably right next behind them is you know you got the Barrier scene. All those guys were tied in Exodus. Testament, Death Angel, arguably. I mean, there was some violence. Well, violence was later on. Um, but those other three, Testament, if you guys have ever seen Testament live, Chuck Billy is a fucking savage. That guy is an amazing front. That whole beat, that whole band, Skolnick, that, uh, I, I had the pleasure of playing with those guys out of Modesto, and it's just like, okay, I'm not, it's a, it's a Wayne's World thing. I'm not worthy. Like, nope. These guys are just so much better than everybody, and they incredible band for sure. Right, and I mean, because I mean, how old? I mean, trying to think, how old is the band like Seether? How old are they? I forgot. Mm, they're probably in their late forties, mid to late forties. Probably not that old. Probably late nineties, early two thousands. I want to say those guys were they Brazilian? No, 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 no. South African. I'm, I'm, I'm butchering that, but. They haven't been around. Well, they've been around for a good amount of time now, like twenty some odd years. Um, but yeah, I think their big thing was when Evanescence that um, broken. 
that was a big, that was, I think he was dating Amy at the time, but that was a big, big song for those guys too. But those guys have always been a solid band, great voice, just raspy, more on the alternative feeling side, more like nineties alternative for the most part. Um, but I, I dug, dug those guys for sure. I feel like I could throw any band at you and you just vibe with it, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I was, so, I was so far you're just, you're just so educated in music that it's just like, I'm sitting here and I'm just like, damn, I don't think <laughs> I could say anything about an artist to this guy and he's going to like not you know probably, anything. There's there's some obscures. I, black metal, I have a hard time. There's some on that. If we want to get real deep into those archives, I some some ones I can't stick with you know the death metals of the world the, the grind core all that kind of stuff some of that i'm like dude you got me you went i don't know what record that is <laughs> but yeah i've right. listened to a lot of music it's something i'm passionate about too and it's getting something you study up on it's like playing sports or anything else or just like you you watch and you kind of take and you, you you see what you like and you take what you want and kind of move forward and make your own style one thing i was wondering actually i know you like mentioned like you had been getting into like the music scene around like 18, 19 is when you kind of like really full on went into it. Mm-hmm. What like inspired you to pursue that career choice? I mean, I know you say you were doing sports and stuff when you were younger and stuff, but what made you pursue music? I kind of just kind of came toward it. Was it's I don't know, it just came to me. I don't know what it was. I remember actually mowing my my backyard and listening to Seven Dust's first album. I guess it was the first album. And just like kind of like wow, this is awesome. Lajana, this guy is, is awesome. Great voice. I haven't heard anything like this. And Seven Dust is still one of my favorite bands. I could listen to those guys all day. Um, but I think those guys were kind of a gateway. Pantera definitely. Um, and it was just a big scene in the early nineties or late nineties, early two thousands. Ozfest started coming through. Some weird bands like Mudvayne, you know, Drowning Pool before David died. Um, again, Slipknot started really getting after it. Um, there were some really cool bands. Papa Roach lived, you know, cities away from where I'm at. So it was AFI. There was kind of in the thick of things where I was at. A lot of cool bands coming out of everywhere. So I don't know. It just kind of came to me and the scene was very alive and well. And there was big venues in Sacramento and San Francisco had a place called The Pound on, on third, what was it, Cargo? And that place was just, it was insane. Like, I've never seen Azza like, dying over there back in the day. And again, they had just huge shows. I saw Unearth over there. Everybody was there. That, if you were in the scene, you were hanging out at the Pound and the Phoenix Theater, no doubt. So we were, we were spoiled with a lot of good bands coming through and a lot of local bands trying to make it too. And that was just a different... It's just a different feel now. COVID killed that. A lot of that, a lot of the smaller venues don't have the opportunities anymore. There's not many opportunities for that. And just things have changed. Scenes have changed and it's fine. I just, I just wish there was more, more bands trying to get out there again, but it's just, it's a different world. People are into different stuff. Metal was metal and stuff was more at that point too, it was actually on, even on MTV. So it was something that corn was on MTV. Limp Bizkit was on MTV. Stain was on MTV. We don't have that. There's no publicity. Metal is like, I think of metal, they gave Jethro Tull a Grammy for metal. That's what, what society kind of looks at. It's like, it's, it's an afterthought, unfortunately. It's shitty, but whatever. We don't, we don't need it. That's fine. Right. And I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, 
I feel like COVID and all those kind of things, I think it really killed the, I guess, aspiring new artists per se. I feel like it killed their motivation in a sense because I've seen like plenty of bands I've loved before. And then it's like, oh, I get a hold of them after. And they're like, oh, man, yeah, I think like, I've heard a couple of bands that they're like, oh, I'm kind of done, man. Like, you know, no one's like listening to my stuff anymore because COVID or we can't go out and promote ourselves like we used to type of thing. And just adapting. You have to adapt and it's not easy. You just got to keep marketing in different ways and seeing what works for you, seeing what applies to your fan base, all those things, you know, and sometimes it's just luck you're in the right place at the right time right playlist at the right time right person hears you and then everything kind of goes but i don't know like it's just it's it's tough it's tough out there but again just it's not if, if you look at it where you're worried about how many plays and everything you got that's not you're not doing it for the right reasons in my opinion you just need to do it for you you know and give it a shot try to market it as best you can but you got to be happy with what you're writing you know ultimately you got to be okay i'm gonna i'm gonna release this cool i'm happy with it both everybody else likes it too. Definitely. It's I'm noticing that like I think some small artists honestly, I feel like they're gaining traction more than at times than other like, they used to. Cause I mean like there's so many bands that have been around for a couple of years. I mean, I know I just was talking about how it's like a bunch of bands have lost motivation uh, to make music and stuff, but there's some of these bands that like came out like I don't know, like a year or two before COVID, and I never heard them before. Then all of a sudden, it's like, I feel like some of them took the silence of COVID of like no live shows for people to be like scouring on their phone and looking for music. And I feel like that kind of, in a sense, helped to those pe those artists, you know, get to that mm -hmm. place. But then it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, I'm hearing about all these bands, I think, in the last year or so that came out and like, 2019 or something and i never heard of before and they're like oh we've been doing this for a couple of years and all this kind of stuff and i'm like i've never heard of you before yet you know you've associated with a bunch of these like a couple bands i know of or something type of thing right and a lot of it too it all depends if they're signed um if the record labels decided to shelf them until they felt that it was great to get them out you know it's also a business move like hey are we going to try to try to get these guys out like uh what was it code orange and those guys got kind of screwed they put on a great album and did like a, the first i think they were on one of the first live streaming concert no, i don't want to say first but like during the time i remember from metal it was a big deal it was a live streaming concert and it was sick but they put out this great album and then after they did that it fell flat because they didn't have and i say fell flat it still did killer but it wouldn't have, they didn't have the touring support they would have if everything was was normal or close to being normal so I probably, for the most part, you, you're probably hearing more of these bands now, I would assume, because the labels are finally releasing these, these albums to you. Um, and they've just been sitting on it until they find a, a good, good time to actually get out there and have tour support with it. Yeah, because I mean, like, I'm noticing, like, I'm, like, looking at all these bands, and it's like, oh, I'm noticing, like, they're showing up in my feed and showing up into a bunch of other things. Like, there's the pop rock band Rags and Riches. That's, like, I did an episode on them. That was my last mm -hmm. episode I did on them. And mm -hmm. I didn't hear about them till like a couple months ago. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, but these guys have been around for a couple of years. So, I mean, I definitely do think advertising has something to do with it also. Like, not only tours and stuff, but I think, I feel like, you know, to save money in some senses, I feel like labels have had pushed back advertising funds and stuff. And now they're finally releasing 
you know, more advertisement in the sense of like intensity of how much they're doing it. Oh, for sure. There's definitely money going into the advertising. It's just different than it was back in the day because there's not, you know, there's not cassettes, there's not CDs, they're not, it's just everything's streaming. CD, just records are just like a, like a collector's edition now. A lot of, you know, there's maybe a, this much of society's collecting records. So it's just different ways how to make money and market yourself. It's merchandise, all that, all that, all those things to try to make a buck, to try to get through. So you still, even with gas prices and everything else going on, I guess touring still is the most, it's still the best way to try to make money as a band. It's just one of the harder ones. I feel like another thing that goes in like the touring aspect, I feel like um, if like a venue will pay you to be there versus you like, because I mean, don't mark my words, like don't um, venues either pay you or you have to pay them to use their studio space, I'm assuming. Depends on over, both ways. Are you talking about live shows or are you talking about just practice? Live shows. Live shows. Um, it all depends on the regions. LA is infamous and pay to play. Well, they'll give you, you have to, you have to pay them and get stacks of tickets and sell it that way to get through shows. That's a fucking miserable way to do it. I hate that. Um, and then it all depends on the other venues. It's all take on what your writer, your contract is, you know, are you getting paid up front at the, from the bar, it's usually at the end of the night. Um, if, or uh, again, a, a, writer, uh, a writer, usually for touring bands, you'll get money up front. Um, but you want to look at percentages. You want to look at, am I getting a take from the bar? Or am I going to take from ticket sales? Are these guys going to take a percentage out of my merchandise? There's a lot of things you got to look at when you're on the road. And different. it's all what your management team, if you have management team or there's a lot that goes into it to try to make a buck to get through. Because a lot of the times you're just making enough money to get to the next city especially gas prices now too. I was touring 20 years ago. I can imagine six bucks a gas or a gallon in California right now. It's, it's almost why what's the point. So it all depends. It all depends on your venues. It all depends on your promoters. Um, the pay to play sucks. I know. Just give me money up from the bar. I'm good. Buy me a beer. Right. Um, you know, since we're talking about touring, do you have a favorite city by chance that you've ever toured in? Like favorite favorite city you've played at? Sorry, Boise, Idaho is pretty cool. The Big Easy, that was a really cool venue. Um, Bay Area stole. Bay Area is really fun. Again, the Pound was. I keep referencing the Pound. The Pound was the place to be. Um, there was Slims back in the day. The DNA Lounge. I think I'm not sure if they're open or not. But San Francisco really had some cool venues. Um, Sacramento has is it Ace of Spades. That's a pretty cool, cool spot too. I think that's a Live Nation spot. Um, but yeah, Boise Idaho was cool. Texas uh, Elms, Deep Elms was that whole strip was insane. Outdoor bars, really cool. So, like, what's the biggest show you've actually played? I know you just talking about your favorite place, but like, what's the biggest show you've played? Have you played in like was, arenas or? No, nothing like that. I unfortunately was never able to get to that point. But like probably about seven, eight hundred people at the Phoenix Theater. It was a Halloween show with Power Man Five Thousand. That was early, early twenties. So I was like twenty one, twenty two, and that was that place was packed. It was insane. And I know it doesn't sound like that many people. It really isn't. But for us, it was for any local bands or anything. That was that was really cool. 
Awesome. I mean, I can never imagine, honestly, performing in front of like even 700, 800 people. I don't understand how you can go to a festival over like Europe or just a generally big music festival and what, what have to see overall nearly 100,000 people or something. That's a whole nother, that's oceans of people. I don't know. You, you lose connections with a lot of people very quickly on that. You're looking at the, the prompter for the most, most part, depending on what your tickets are. But it's, it's just uh, the experience, too, just sitting there feeling, feeling the 808s and feeling everything else and just being around all those people. Right. And it's, I don't know, I just could never imagine just playing in like, like a couple hundred people. That sounds like a lot to me. But then to some people, that's nothing. Something you could easily do if you just got after it. Just putting the, doing acoustic or anything else. It's not, not unheard of. Just putting the work in. Promotion, marketing, all those things. Just old school, getting on, you know, foot soldier type stuff. Putting, putting flyers up. The old school way is not the wrong way. You know, it's, you, you have to force people to come see you. <laughs> you have to be somewhat of a used car salesman to get out there and say, hey, you, you do want this car. You, you, you do want to come pick it up. And once you get them there, you got to, you got to try to win them over. So they don't feel screwed by you on it. So it's just, it's all about how you sell yourself in marketing. Really it is. Me and a couple of buddies actually were considering this um, for my podcast. We were thinking about getting, uh, making a poster on like Google docs or Microsoft word or something, Mm -hmm. and then printing it out on like a sheet of paper and then laminating it. And then like, hang them up or tape them up to buildings and stuff all over like the city and we're like i feel like we can get in trouble for that but also it's promoting at the same time so it's like i don't feel like it would be a big deal but it's like yeah you- it's like we want to we want to get my streams and views up and stuff and i'm like okay let's i, w- I want to try it but i'm like that sounds like a lot of work a lot of time and well, something I everything if, if it's something passionate you're about though that's what you're going to be doing and not to be an accomplice to your um, your city fines are going to probably be getting, but um, look at vinyls, look at stickers. You can, you can do just do big stickers having the same information. So you don't have to do the, the other legwork. Old school, not eighties, right. throw them up on a, on a pole. Bolton yeah. Bolts, I mean, whatever. I, I've mentioned the idea to so many people and then they're just like, why don't you, you in this digital world, you can just like pay someone some money and then like they'll throw your stuff around. And I'm like, but I don't have the money for that type of thing, you know? No, it's better just, in my opinion, it's better learning how to do it and just doing it yourself. Don't, don't pay the third party to do so. If you're able to, a lot of this stuff is very, you can educate yourself to do it. Um, and if you don't get somebody who knows what they're doing, learn from them and start doing it on your own. But you don't need, a lot of the times you don't need to pay those extra fees for people just because they're taking their money. You're not going to get what you think out of it for the most part. Right. I mean, I feel like Instagram promotion, honestly, is one of those many things. I feel like it's a scam, in my opinion. I mean, I've talked to people and they're like, it works very, like, just as advertised if you know how to work it. But then it's like, okay, but what if it's like me or someone who doesn't know how to do that? And it's like, okay, I give Instagram $50 for like, what, three to five days or something to mm-hmm. throw around my material. And they're just like, well, it's supposed to reach this many people, blah, blah. blah. And then they like sugarcoat it. And then it's like, oh, only like maybe. 100 people actually interact with it where they're like oh like eight to ten thousand people are going to see it i mean it, it you see in your interactions page that like oh people that's how many people have seen it but like right. barely anyone interacts with it it all depends too i think it's a good service it's the algorithm and depends on what targets they're going after and it's also tears you're paying for on it it seems like 
but it's also what your um, content is. That's I've realized too, is that it's something that you, you need to catch people's attention within a few seconds on those type of social media things. You need something, boom, get the point across. It's not lingering. Cool. Next. Is that going to make, they're going to start clicking on your show. I don't, that that's one of those things. It's just, again, you can't keep beating people with it, but you also don't want to annoy them to the fact where like, screw this. I don't want this dude trying to get a hold of me. So it's just, again, it's just marketing and um, trial and error. I don't know if I have it figured out. I, <laughs> I don't have it figured out. Everybody's trying to figure it out how to market it properly, but um yeah, I'm I'm hesitant on ever paying any other service to try to get things done for me when I can just figure it out myself. I mean, definitely. It's like, as I said, like, I pay usually every episode. I typically try to throw like 30 to $50 at Instagram just for the mm-hmm. hell of it. And honestly, some episodes get really good interaction. And, and then it's like, oh, my viewer account's pretty good. Or people do interact with it, but they don't even watch the stuff. There's like, they do like a little bit of research on it. And they're like, this is not for me. And then go. Right. And, and that's like, the thing. That's the thing about podcasts too. I mean, it all depends on, you know, even to one of the biggest guys in the world right now, Joe Rogan. I love the way he does things, but um in some of his interviews, other stuff doesn't really pertain to me. So it's listening to like an eighth of what he's actually got. So I don't know, just keeping your your audience diverse and engaged with artists and whatever you're interested in for sure. I definitely agree. I mean Honestly, I see Joe Rogan so much. Honestly, I'm not trying to be mean to anything, but it's like, or say anything or talk shit about him. Like, I love his material. He's funny as crap. I mean, he's a great podcaster, but I kind of am tired of him showing up on my feed. He's a great, funny guy, but it's like, I see him every time I open TikTok or YouTube. It's like, Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan. And I'm right. like, I don't want to hey, watch him right now, man. He's doing shit right, and his PR team's killing it for him. So it's doing something right, right? So I enjoy I enjoy listening to him. I think he's a funny guy. He's got a great team around him for sure. Um, yeah, and there's just any, any other podcast you're looking at too that are doing things a certain way, you know. Or again, think out of the box. Do something. Try to do something that people aren't really looking at right now. Something something alternative than they're seeing right now that everybody's doing. Definitely, it's and I feel like. It's it's interesting because podcasts and music can go hand in hand very similar at times, and I mean at times like advertisement wise at least it can be pretty similar because it's like oh I can take like what a thirty second clip slap it on Instagram and see what people say about it mm-hmm. where and then you can do the same thing with music except with music you could probably do shorter clips right and it's like then it's just like people are just like I feel like but the shorter clips tend to clip people more where podcasts it's like it's kind of harder to do that because it's like you're talking about something and then it's like sometimes they won't grasp the concept of what's in that clip until they watch more and mm-hmm. i mean i understand that can be a hook type of thing but also i feel like you lose you can lose engagement that way too because it's like we could be talking about live shows for example but it's like the point or theme that we're trying to portray doesn't happen until like five minutes after we've started talking about it Right. No, it's just a rhyme or reason and just personalities and what people are looking for. Don't have that answer on that one for sure. <laughs> really don't. But, it's um, weird, man. No, nah, for sure. So. So going back to the subject of your band, Hello Hydra, mm-hmm. um, what should we expect in the future of your music for them? I actually have 
Um, I'm dropping another track on Tuesday. Brand new. I'm doing it. I'm dropping a single. So I'll be stay tuned on Instagram. I'll keep some updates going, but it's going to be on Spotify and all the streaming platforms on Tuesday midnight. So, um, and then after that, probably putting together another EP and just putting out tracks here and there every few months if possible. So that's, that's the plan right now. I'll be definitely tuning in to hear that. Cause I mean, I, I love the EP you already have released and I'm really interested to see where that, where it goes, you know? Right on. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. It's going to be, this one's a pretty brutal song. It, it's pretty heavy. <laughs> it's a good one. So hope you guys like it. If you were to describe this new track, I mean, you're talking about how we was a new track, but like, how would you describe it to me? I know you just said heavy and all that and brutal. Like, what would be the best way for you to describe it? That like, wasn't i guess in that sense of wording it crushes it's heavy groove very thumpy very edge crusher you know fear factory hangman's noose you know double driver it hits you in the in the chest it's gonna be a fun one i'm excited to see what you have in store honestly it's you seem like a very interesting person. I mean, you have a very, very open variety of what you listen to. I mean, so I feel like the roof is not even like the sky's the limit for you at this point. I mean, I feel I'm like just, you have the creative mindset to be able to do it. No, I appreciate that. I just, again, it's about having fun. It's when I have the opportunity to finally write some stuff, I'm not forcing it. It's like, okay, if it's coming to me, cool. If it's not, whatever. People decide to listen to it, great. But, uh, yeah, that's how that's how I'm rolling with it. So, on a closing note, um, as we're starting to get close to closing this out, um, do you have any questions for me by chance? I mean, I know no, we're having a casual conversation, but do you have any questions no. for me since I've been asking you tons of stuff about your fans? No, it's no, it's all good, man. No, it's, I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show and you know getting getting to know you in the last like couple hours and. It's cool. No, I, I appreciate it for sure. And I'm thank you for being a fan of Hello Hydra. And um, hopefully, I keep writing stuff that you're you're into and keep doing what you're doing on the podcast, man. It's a, it's good to be at your at your age and trying to venture off and be doing your thing right now. It's it takes a lot of guts and it takes a lot of courage to do what you're doing. So just keep getting better at it, man. And you have a solid podcast as it is right now. And again, I appreciate being on it for you. I mean, do you watch any of my episodes? I'm I was watching all of it. Uh, no, I, I checked out the scandalous one the other day. Um, but I'll definitely be jumping in a little bit more with with you guys for sure. So after we're doing this, and after getting to know you a little bit more on a personal level, yeah, of course, I'm gonna be jumping on there. I'll be subscribing right now when we get off the phone. So yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, it's. I think like I think in this last week or so, I actually finally got my podcast on Apple Podcasts because at first they wouldn't let me because they're just like, oh. You know, you need to pay a subscription fee or something stupid. It was mm -hmm. really weird. And then all of a sudden I go back on. And I think once I got my viewership and start starting numbers and streams up a little bit, I think they mm -hmm. ended up not making me have to pay for it. Because now right. I, I have to. And I just got my, I caught a couple links, slapped them together. And it's like, here we go. So, I mean, right. it made me very happy to get that on there this last week. It made me pretty happy. Right on. Yeah, just keep doing what you're doing, man. Going in the right direction. Definitely. So yeah, um, do you have anything else to say for me, or do you have anything at all? 
No, we're good, dude. Again, thanks for the opportunity and a new track. It's going to be on Tuesday. Hello Hydra at Hello Hydra Band on Instagram. Um, Bearcore, if you want to check that out for the clothing line. Last selfish plug, Dig the Grave, my other band. That's another one. I'll, I'll send you a link to that when we're done. Um, that's my uh, the other bread and butter I got. So Dig the Grave, at Dig the Grave Band on Instagram. Awesome. I'll definitely check it out. I hope all of you check it out. So, yeah, I have nothing really much more to say to you than thank you for your time. I really Brown, appreciate it. For sure. You too, Matt. It was good talking. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, like, I, I remember I pushed you I pushed you around a few times, just like, sorry, can't make this work. And I mean, I really felt bad for that. But as, all I, good. as I said, man, I appreciate all the time you gave me. And I had a lot of fun talking to you. And I definitely cannot wait for more. So, awesome. Good meeting you. Nice meeting you too, man. So this is Liam from the Full Circle Podcast signing off.